Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Today we're kicking off uh, or closing week uh, four of our series that we've been doing called Creative for Community. And uh, I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we read the Word of God. We do this every Sunday. We just honor the Word of God and stand as we read it. And I'm going to pray and we'll get into this series. Uh, I've been excited. I think just calling us to family and calling us to kingdom is a great thing. Ecclesiastes 4 verse uh, 9 to 12 has been our reference. It's been our scripture. It says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one or not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is live and powerful and, Lord God, prophetic. And I pray, God, that as I preach today, there'd be a prophetic edge on this message. And I pray that we'd have prophetic ears to hear what you'd say to your church. Let your presence be here in a tangible way. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I fight the person beside you. Tell them how fantastic they're looking. Encourage them. Maybe they've had no one. All week who told them that they were fantastic. And you're the person that's going to do it. A little bit of pastoral advice. If you're in a prayer meeting, there are three people you should avoid. The first person is the person I would call the prayer warrior. The prayer warrior is someone who prays so intensely and so loud that you can't even really hear yourself think what you're saying to God. Then there's a prayer whisperer. The prayer whisperer, they have prayer down to a very fine spiritual art. They are so eloquent. They use such wonderful spiritual words. They, 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 are, they seem so holy that they're almost intimidating. You're like, man, I, I, I don't even know if I can pray after that. I'm not even sure God's going to listen to me any, anymore. And then there's the prayer warrior. I would, I would encourage you, always avoid the prayer warrior. I was in Bible college in Australia, and we had a few students that, that had this gift. They, 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 they would pray prayers like, oh, God, crush me. Father, this is just an illustration. This is not my prayer. I'm just, just, yeah, just, it's just an illustration. But they pray like this, Father, crush me, break me, smash me, mold me, test me. And, and I'm, I, I don't want to be, if you're going to pray like that, I don't want to be anywhere near you. Just in case God gets us confused. I, I, I want to encourage you, don't ask God for trials. I have found in life that it needs little encouragement to bring problems, challenges, or difficulties. James said, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. They're coming. Full steam ahead. Job said, man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly. Sometimes the only thing we need to do to overcome a trial is just have a little bit 
of perspective. Because trials, you would, you would, I'm pretty sure you would agree, are not all in the same proportion. You can feel like you're going through a trial. And it can be the worst trial. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've ever caught yourself in like peak hour traffic, bumper to bumper down the 495 or something, moving at snail's pace, trying to get home. And you, you make this statement, oh man, this is the worst thing ever in the world. Like, or you're standing in line somewhere and those words come out. This is, this is hard. And, and, and to you at that point, it's the worst thing in the, but really, is it really the worst thing in the world? And when you think about worst things in the world, stuck in traffic is bad, but it's not the, the worst thing in the world. A little, a little bit of perspective changes everything. A little bit of life experience changes everything. Or just some basic awareness of the world around us will shoot holes in our whining. I can be whining about something, but when I realize the world has need and there is no cap on the level of need in the world. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you and you can help them at any time you want. Jesus said, there are two things that are constant. The first is need. You're always going to have the poor. The second is opportunity. You can always help them anytime you want. And when you look at that need, when you, when you see the need of the world around us, when you, when you think about poverty, when you think about the lives that are being destroyed right now in war zones, when you think about slavery in every form that's still existent on the planet, when you think about homelessness, when you think about sexual abuse, when you think about verbal abuse, when you think about emotional abuse, when you think about cancer and disease, when you think about famines, and the list goes on. And I'm sure that as I'm rattling those off, that in your mind, you have things that you would add to that, to that list. And that list can be overwhelming. Recently, I was in Cairo visiting some people from our church. And I, I went to a, a location called Garbage City. Garbage City in Cairo is a, a community where their sole purpose is recycling trash. So they collect the trash, they bring the trash back to their house, and as a family, they sort through the trash bags, and they sort out what can be recycled, what can go to animals, what, and they sort the trash out. This is not done in a warehouse. It's not done in a facility. This is done in their house. And as you drive through Garbage City, you go past house, past house, past house. And you can smell it in the atmosphere, that, that smell of trash. Thankfully for us, we were there on a quite not hot day and some good wind. And so the, the smell wasn't overwhelming, but I can imagine what it would be like in summer. They, they recycle the trash. They take the food onto the roof and they feed animals. What trash they can't get rid of and sell now, they store in their house. And so in their basement or the first floor can be just bags of trash. And then they live on the second floor and the third floor and they just build up. And then some trash bags are stored on their roof. It's a whole community that has built their economy on recycling trash. That was overwhelming to me. 
as I drove past the cars and the trash bags on the side of the road. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this, this is how someone's got to make a living. And when you, when you travel the world, poverty is overwhelming. I was in Ghana and seeing the, the poverty that exists in Ghana. I, I was in, in Ethiopia and watching people just live in tin shacks on the side of the road. You go to Peru, you go to El Salvador, all around the world you see people just trying to make a little bit of money just to get by. And that's just not even scratching the surface of what's happening on our planet. I find it overwhelming. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, King Solomon begins the chapter reflecting on some things that bring chaos to life. Now, this is a man, you've got to remember, is prone to some indulgences himself. But he's lamenting in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 2 to 3. In the message, it says, I congratulated the dead who are already dead instead of living who are still alive. But luckier than the dead or the living is the person who has never, ever been, who has never seen the bad business that takes place on earth. How sad to be overwhelmed and to come to this point. I feel sorry for people that are, that are, that are dead. I feel sorry for people that are, but, 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 but for those that never have to be born, they're better off. This is a horrible place to be. Being sad, being concerned, feeling sorry, having warm thoughts, it just doesn't help people. Only action helps people. We cannot let being overwhelmed render us as a church numb or immobile to helping the world around us. There's a story of a young boy that was on the side of the, on the beach at the side of the ocean and he was throwing starfish, picking a starfish up and throwing it into the water. And a, and a gentleman came, an older gentleman came past him and said, what are you doing? He said, I, I'm rescuing these starfish. I'm throwing them back in the water. The wave is catching them and the wave is taking them back out to sea. I'm rescuing the starfish. The older gentleman said, can't you see? There's starfish for miles up and down this beach. You, you, can't, you can't do anything about it. You can't make a difference. The young boy reached down and picked up a starfish and he threw the starfish back in the water and he looked at the gentleman. He said, I made a difference for that one. We're not called to do everything, but we are called to do something. You and I are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a broken and hurting world around us. We're, we're, we're called to create a heaven-focused, Jesus-loving, God's love-saturated kingdom community that ministers, influences, and impacts the world around us through compassion-driven action. We're not called to do everything, but we are called to do something. In the series, we have talked about creative for community. We've been looking at three different levels of relationship. Up, we talked about the last two weeks, beside, and then out. Up, we're building a healthy kingdom community of godly leadership and godly influences to help people to get on Jesus' mission. What's that mission? 
Good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They're talking about doing life beside people who are walking with us, building a healthy kingdom community of believers who foster God-centered relationships, who serve to be the best friends. I, I think that you and I should be the best friends somebody should have. When people hang around us, that was a jacket clap. For those of you that are visiting, the jacket clap is an indicator for everyone to clap. It's, it's, like, it's like our applause sign. It's not really, but I think it's a good time to do it. If Jackie gets excited, we all should be excited. How many people are grateful for Jackie? People are like, I don't think we should clap when she's clapping. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're all staying silent while you're silent. Seal her. We're here to create happy, healthy, and whole God-centered families. This is the church. Today, we're looking at, at relationships out, how to be people of impact and influence. A kingdom community of believers committed to having influence and impact on the world around them. Matthew chapter 5 in the message, it says, let me tell you why you're here. This is the church. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I believe that. The church is here to bring out the flavor of life, to bring out the color of life, to bring out the beauty of life, to bring out the awesomeness of life. Jesus said, I have come to give you Life and life more abundantly. He didn't come just to give us a little sliver. He came to give us life and life more. And we are the representatives of Jesus on the planet. We are called to impact and influence the world around us. And we can't afford to bury our head in the sand and pretend the world is okay. We can't shrink the kingdom of God down to just being an hour and a half once a week or once a month on a Sunday. We're the church. God's called us to be the church. Now Solomon is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed by the reality of oppression and abuse. He makes this comment, it better not to be born because he's overwhelmed by these things. And he's overwhelmed by oppression and abuse. He says in verse 1, Next, I turn my attention to all the outrageous violence that takes place on this planet. The tears of the victims, and there's no one to comfort them. The iron grip of oppressors, and no one to rescue the victims from them. It's been said that it may be good to have a giant strength but tyrannous to use it like a giant. It's overwhelming to see the level of violence and abuse that just happens in our world. Nations attacking nations, religious persecution, warlords, gang violence, husbands abusing their wives, racial discrimination. 
As we conclude uh, Black History Month, we are reminded of the damage that's done when prejudice clouds the mind from seeing the worth of others, when you judge people by the color of their skin and not the content of their heart. We're reminded that when we treat others poorly, we devalue God's creation. We're reminded that to abuse and use others for our own net gain is not the heart of the Father. We're reminded that many of the freedoms that are afforded to us today is because men and women who have reached out beyond themselves, beyond their own comfort zones, beyond their own boundaries, beyond selfish ambition and did something to change the world. They risked their lives with acts of selfless sacrifice. And the list is long. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Bishop Desmond Tutu, uh, Nelson Mandela, just to name some of the famous, but some of them that, that are known names that we don't know, who stood up and marched, who stood up and said no, not just in one moment, but over history. We live in the freedom because someone else fought for our freedom. And we are the church called to be salt and light, called to impact and influence. We are the church called to make a stand and to make a difference. This is our responsibility. Solomon is overwhelmed by the evil of, of envy and futility. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Then I observed all the work and ambition motivated by envy. What, what waste, smoke, <laughs> spitting into the wind. The fool sits back and takes it easy. His sloth is slow suicide. Envy is an evil that impacts both the rich and the poor. It doesn't really matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Envy can impact everybody. For the rich, it can be self-centered. The pursuit of things that just make them feel really good and they need it because someone else has it or they want it because they want to have better than somebody else. They want to one-up their neighbors. They want to one-up the other people at work. And so that envy and that greed can grip a heart and they start just filling their life with stuff. Listen, I, I'm not telling you you shouldn't have a nice car. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't have a nice house or wear nice clothes. I, I'm just telling you that it has no eternal value. There is just no value in it. That everything that we have in the physical, when it comes to heaven, is called wood, hay, and straw. Fire hits it, turns into ash. What we do with our wealth for kingdom purpose, long term, is gold, silver, and precious stones. So it doesn't matter whether you have some ash in your life. Just don't spend your life consuming ash. But it's also the same with the poor. You can be jealous of somebody else. What other people have got. I had a friend who had a, a BMW and somebody walked into the parking lot and they took a key and they just walked right down the side of his BMW and scratched the surface of his car. That's what envy and greed does. And, and, and it, listen, you can chase online is, is just this perfect, like, perfect environment, perfect storm to 
to get you looking at what other people are doing and how other people are living and feel terrible about how you live and you want that. Or, or a trend will hit and, and everybody is like charging like rhinos down to target to get themselves a container that holds water and just elbowing everybody out of the way because we want this special container to hold water because it holds water better than any other container in the world. We want it bad and it'll be out of fashion within a year. When I was pastoring in New Zealand, a friend of mine from America bought me a jacket. I think he gave me his jacket. I don't think he went and bought it for me. But, uh, and it was a Versace jacket. It was flash. It was awesome. And this to tell you how bad I was. I said, I, I thanked him for the Versace jacket. I'd never heard of Versace. I didn't even know it was important. Uh, but I remember wearing that downtown in, in a men's store downtown that was like sold expensive clothes. And they're making me coffees. They'd treat me like a king because they think I'm loaded because I've got a Versace jacket on. It's worth thousands of dollars. I looked awesome. I wore it to the National Assemblies of God conference in New Zealand, my Versace jacket. I've got to tell you, when I put that bad boy on, I went to the conference that night, I felt awesome. I walked into the conference like feeling like, hey, I've got a Versace jacket on. I worshiped God like this so the flap would open up and everyone could see the tag. So even God could see the tag and tell the angels, he's got a Versace jacket on. It's my son. He's styling. I remember the, 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 the night had finished. They did the praise and worship. I was hanging out, meeting people in the lobby, just chatting. And I walked up this one couple that I knew. And I was feeling pretty good because I was about to let them see me up close and personal in my Versace jacket. And, and I walked up and the lady took one look at me and she goes, do you know you've got a button missing? My good Versace jacket was nothing. It was just a buttonless jacket. That, that's, the, that's the problem with putting your value in stuff. Moths can get it. It can be taken away. Don't put your value in stuff. The poor can manifest in jealousy or just giving up completely. Social media has not helped. Comparison is rife. And I want to encourage you, don't base your life on someone's 90-second highlight reel that they have engineered to look absolutely perfect. And young people, listen, you spend a lot of time on social media, so don't be conned by their production. Some of them are easy to spot, like the ones that are on aeroplanes. Have you seen the, the videos of the, the, like the girl sitting in the seat and her husband's been in the military for five years and he hides in the overhead compartment and while the plane's in flight and the, the girl's serving coffee, he climbs out with a bunch of roses and everyone else is like, and the girl's eating whatever, aeroplane food. What, I don't know what it is. It's demon possessed. But anyway, and, 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 he, and, and he comes in and gives her flowers and, and you know it's fake. Everything about it is fake. Planes don't look like that in the first place. Everything is acted out. But we're supposed to watch it and go, woo, this is so good. Most of it's like that. It's prefabricated fake stuff to make you jealous, to make you want more, to make you buy. Don't be conned by it. 
Fame is a vapor, popularity an accident, riches take wings. Only one thing endures, and that is character. It's who you are. And remember, who you are is always way more valuable than what you have. You are more valuable than your stuff. You are more valuable than your house, your car, your clothes, your stuff. Solomon is the richest man in the world, and he is overwhelmed by the pressure of greed and jealousy. He says, one handful of peaceful purpose, repose, is better than two fistfuls of worried work. More spitting into the wind. He said, I turned my head and I saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. <laughs> Solomon's saying that, that peace is more valuable than profit. He should know he's the most, he's the wealthiest man in the land. Scripture says, what is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? I say better a bird in the hand is better than being mauled by two vultures in the bush. What you have in your hand can be valuable. Don't chase after the wind. Solomon is overwhelmed by the futility of being selfish, self-centered, and short-sighted. The issue here is what this series has been dealing with, a solitary person completely alone. Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Goes on and says, no children, no family, no friends. We're created to be in community. God's gift to the man was the woman. God's gift to the man and the woman is the family. And God's gift to the family is community. And God's gift to the community is the church. Working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more. Never, never, I love this, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun? This is what Solomon wrote, completely alone. Isolation is not our friend and isolation is not healthy. And when you're isolated, you become selfish, self-centered, short-sighted. Life is not just about me. Jesus demands that my life needs to be bigger than just me. We're trained to think that way. Me, my, my thing, my way, I, what I want, what I need, what I got to have. We've been coached on this thing. Well, if it feels good to me, just do it. Other people have, have this sort of thinking. Well, well it, it, it only affects me. Like if I do this, it only impacts me. I, I'm the only one. I can make my own decision because it's only going to impact me. No decision that you make is ever done in isolation. We make decisions that are going to have an impact on somebody later on or immediately. If you're in high school and you're studying and you've got the ability to do really well, but you've got the friends around you that are distracting you from doing well, and you just can't be bothered because you'd rather have fun than do the work. And someone's putting pressure on you to study more or try more or you can be more. And you have the attitude, well, like who's it going to impact? It's just my education. It's about me. This is not about anybody. It's my education. It's my time. It's my fun. It's just about me. I don't have to think about anybody else. But that's not true. 
20 years from now, your children are going to be impacted by the level of education that you have. Your children are going to be impacted by the career that you choose. Your children are going to be impacted by the decisions that you make. If you're sleeping around and just getting off with everybody and anybody and you're partying and living that life and, well, who does it matter? It's just about me and my, and I'm doing it now and my thing. 10 years, 20 years from now, it may have an impact on your wife. may have an impact on your husband. If I just post these pictures online now, who does it really impact? It's just about me. I'm okay with it. And so why shouldn't everybody else be okay with it? Well, that's true, but maybe your grandchildren are not going to be okay with it when they see it. Because it's on the internet, it ain't going away. And so no decision that we make is done in isolation. We are created to be in community, and you and I are called to be God's kingdom community. We're called to help others and walk with them on the journey of life. We're not doing it alone. We're doing a journey together of life. I landed in Chicago and there was a, a little old lady sitting beside me and she was on the, the phone with her daughter. And I could just pick up from the conversation that she was a little bit nervous, a little bit worried. She had to make a transfer in O'Hare to get to another flight. So it's a hub for United and she's flying through there to get somewhere else. And there's a little bit of panic in her voice. And so when she got off the phone, I asked her, what... What are you talking to your daughter about what's happening? And she told me, I've landed here. I'm going to go and visit my daughter. I haven't seen her for a while. And, but I got a transfer to, to another flight. And she was really concerned about it and didn't know where to go or what to do. She's on the journey. And so I said, I know O'Hare really, really well. What gates are you flying out of? So she's flying out of C gates. We'd landed in B. Got to walk through quite a large uh, walkway to get there. And so I said to her, I got time. Why don't I take you and get you set up for the next flight? And so this little old lady and I, we walked, I took a bag and we walked from B concourse and got over to C and up the elevator. And I, I took her down and showed her her gate. This is where you're flying out. This is how you get here. And I, she had about an hour and a half to go before she caught a flight. I said, why don't you come with me? So I took her and I got her into the United Club and I got her set up there. And we got her some drinks and some coffee, showed her where the food and everything was. And, and I said, just wait here till about half an hour when they start boarding and and, and, and call your daughter and let her know everything is okay and you're okay. And, and so this woman, this older lady who was like needed someone on the journey to take a walk with her and help her on the way. We're, we're called to do that every day. We're called to help people on the journey. That's what Jesus has called us to do, to, to be there when other people are doing life's journey. We're called to minister to broken people along the way in life's journey. Jesus told a parable about a man that was on a journey and he got beat up and he's bleeding and dying on the Jericho road. And some people walk past him. A priest comes past him. A Levite comes past him. They just ignore him. But a Samaritan comes, bandages the wounds, ministers, medicates him, puts him on his donkey, gets him set up for the night. And Jesus said, I want you to be like that. I want you to be helping broken people, hurting people on the journey. We're not called to do the journey alone. We are created to do life's journey with others. 
And so it leads us into this journey passage. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. It's talking about a journey. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls down on the journey, the other helps. But if there's no one to help tough, to embed, warm each other, alone you shiver all night. By yourself you're unprotected. With a friend you can face the worst. Can you, can you round up a third? A threefold stranded rope isn't quickly snapped. Word of Life Church, we, we, need, we need to be kingdom community in three directions. We, we need to have relationships up that are leading the way. We need to have relationships beside and doing the journey with others. And we need to have relationships out where we're ministering to the broken and the hurting along the way. And we're all better in community. We're better. Word of Life Church is committed to bringing the benefits of Christian community to our world. Some of you picked up on the Jackie clap. Oh, well done. Well done. I should give you a script with little clap marks, little hands. I feel like the people, Kim Jong-un. Can I just at least, just, just for my own entertainment, can we get one King Jong-un applause right now, right across there? Can we just King Jong-un me? Some of you are very insulted right now. Somebody's watching online, you're very offended. Why are you offended? You didn't even clap. But, but, but it lists out some things in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Success. Two are better than one because they get a good reward for their labor. God calls us to make our world better. That's our responsibility. Isaiah 1 verse 17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Psalm 72 verse 4, may he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Luke 4, 18, the mandate, I talked about this before, of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach, proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to heal, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives, recover his sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We're supposed to bring support. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no other one to lift him up. As a church, we are positioning ourselves to be a source of support. We're working towards that. We want to be a church with a life-giving spirit and a life-giving passion. We can't Answer all the need. That's absolutely an endless pit. The Bible says there's much food in the fallow ground of the poor. But we can do something. One will lift up his fellow. He will look for the opportunity to help the one. We can't rescue every starfish, but we can rescue one. We're, we're working strategically that when you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure into the ministry of word of life, that it's ministry to broken people as well as doing what we do here. 
When you come into community with us, we're working to get you connected to God's mission. When you can't, you can't do it alone and we can't do it alone. So we are, we are in partnerships with some great organizations. We have created a strategic partnership with Convoy of Hope to directly help people in urgent need. Convoy of Hope is a ministry that spans the globe. We invest financially every year into that ministry. We partner with them financially. We weren't able to go to the fires in Hawaii, but Convoy was able to show up on day one. We weren't able to go to when people were hit by the hurricane in Florida. But when it hit, Convoy had trucks traveling down to Florida. All over the world with this crisis, Convoy is doing their best to meet needs and we're partnering with Convoy of Hope. So when we invest financially, you and I maybe couldn't go to help the people in the fires of Hawaii, but we were able to go through our giving and through our partnership with Convoy of Hope. We've created a strategic partnership with CityServe. This is our, 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 our first step in to really impacting our community. How our ministry to CityServe works is pretty much like this. We get you an app. It's called the Hero app. You download it. You need some training on how to use it. But then you are at home and you have a neighbor. Maybe they've just moved into town or maybe they've got a burglary or a fire or something has happened and... They're in need. So you go onto our app and you look through what we have in the warehouse. And there may be some household items or clothing items or different things that we have available. And so you say, well, we need this, this, and this. And you make up a little order and you send a request in, can I get these things? Once it's approved, we send you a note. You come in on a Sunday at church. You just pick it up. have a delivery area where you just pick it up and you just take it and then you just give it away to that family. You don't pay for it. They don't pay for it. All what they ask you to do is just take a, a selfie giving these people, blessing these people, and post it online to encourage other people, to encourage other people to be a source of hope to the world around them. This is a partnership. And so we're working with them. We get products in from Amazon, from Costco, from uh, Pottery Barn. We're even asking our church family, if you, if you have a house and you need to get, you know, the, the furniture, get rid of furniture that's not broken, damaged, and disrepair. We're not your trash recyclers. But if you've got nice things that you feel would be good to give somebody in need, and then we can take those and we can have them, we can put that on the app. And people can say, oh, man, I just had somebody recently need a bed. We didn't have a bed in the warehouse. But how cool would it have been if you replaced your bed and we got your good bed, not your broken bed with the stinky mattress. Just trying to clarify. But we had, and then we were able to have that. They could have got that in a heartbeat. It's a partnership that we're entering into. And just for us, it's, it's just a doorway to more things that we want to do in our community. Uh, we're having our Hope Expo, our Word of Life Church Hope Expo. We're continuing to, I don't know if you were here last year for our, our Hope Expo, but we had, we gave away food in our lobby. We had a job expo in our chapel. We had a health expo in the gym. We had a dental van for children in the parking lot. We had an opportunity for people to donate blood to a blood bank out in the parking lot. There's some other vans coming this year. We've got strategic partnerships. We've just 
just put it on for our community and we say, come, we want you to be blessed. We want to help people empower their life. And so this is an initiative here at Word of Life. It's our Hope Expo. We couldn't do it without strategic partnerships with people in the medical field or, or food banks or, you know, uh, organizers. I can't uh, remember all the organizations that are coming, but I, uh, from memory, we had people like Amazon and other companies, large companies, coming and saying, we need to employ people. All sorts of employment opportunities available. We're working with a... Uh, to adapt a program from Celebrate Recovery, calling it Journey, to help people with addictions to overcome their addictions. As a church, we've created a, a benevolence fund to help people in urgent need, and we're working on establishing uh, ministry to the unhoused within our community. They said this, if you want to go fast, go alone, which is why I like to travel alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Do it together. You and I are so much better together. We are, we are greater than any one of us could be on our own. And we're called to do life together. Then there's security. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how, how can one be warm alone? That's our job. Comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. That's our mission. We're here to introduce people to the great comforter. We're here to see the Holy Spirit invade our worship services. Our church services are designed for people to connect with the presence of God. I I believe out of everything. Paul said, I know what it is to be abased, and I know what it is to abound. It doesn't really matter. I got God. And so I can be be poor or I can be wealthy. I, I I can be rolling, I can be struggling. But he said, because I've got the comforter, because I've been filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the best thing that we can do to help people is to get them to encounter Jesus in our services. We want God to move. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to come in a powerful way. We're believing for a revival of the power. We're we're creating touch points in our service where people can experience the presence of God. Maybe, maybe you're here today, never been in church. And I remember what that was like my first time in church. It was like someone captured me and took me to a foreign planet. Everything was weird. The people were weird. Like it's extra weird for you, my accent. Like some of you are going to go home and go, no, I, I didn't even get that guy. I think he's got an accent from southern Ghana or somewhere. And, <laughs> but you felt something. When we were singing, you didn't understand. It's like Christian karaoke to you, but you felt something. You say, I can't explain it, but I felt something in the room. That's God reaching out to you. That's the Spirit of God wrapping his arms around you. For us, we, we, we pray that God encounters people so we can lead them to salvation. Lead them to that place where God is in the center of everything. That's why we're here. And then strength. I love this last bit. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The church can be that threefold cord. What we can do together is massively better than what we can do on our own. The little starfish boy is just throwing one starfish in at a time.
We partnered with Convoy of Hope, and they've come down with a bucket, and they're scooping up starfish, and they're throwing them in bucketfuls. City serve, bucketfuls. All the things that we're doing. But the church, the only benefit, I, 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 I gotta tell you, I'm praying that our church will expand and grow. And we've already, we are growing. It's not like I'm praying for it. We are growing. But to grow rapidly. In my prayer, I see this auditorium filled multiple times on a Sunday. I see the chapel filled. Right now we have an 11.30 Spanish service over there. I see it full. I see our 9.30 Amharic service full. I see our junior high service full. I see our Farsi service full. I see our youth service and young adult service full. I see thousands of people coming on this campus every week. Gathering as the church. I see a large church. I have a vision for a mega church. I think the new word is giga church. But I got to tell you, I don't have that vision to feel good about myself. I feel good about myself right now. I felt good about myself before I came here. I am happy with my, I have a beautiful bride. I have a wonderful family. I got a very cool son-in-law whose whole job in life is to protect me. I don't go anywhere fearful anymore. I can just walk into a crowd and pick a fight because of my son-in-law. I have beautiful daughters. I have beautiful grandchildren. I got my friends. My friends have been my friends for decades. I got wonderful friends here. My friends that I've had for years. My sister, who's 10 years old, she's, she looked after me as a little kid. I got great family. So I don't need to have successful, shiny things to make me feel good about me. Just so you're aware. So there's no drive to, for it to grow so I can feel better about me. None of my friends are going to like me more if we have a large church or a small church. Absolutely irrelevant. We're friends already. Why a large church? Because if I take 20 of you, and that's my church, down to the beach, and the 20 of us pick up a starfish and we throw one in, it makes a difference for every starfish. But if there are 5,000 people lined up on a beach and they're all throwing in starfishes, we can make an impact. You can make an impact. We're here to make an impact. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back or feel good about ourselves. Ooh, look how good we are. No, that's not it. It's so we can mobilize. And I don't want to have a big church of people that come in on Sunday and sing Kumbaya, come in, in and out, check in, check out, do their religious duty and just go home. No, we're raising up a church that's going to make an impact on the world. We're going to join hands and we're going to do things in our community. Our community is going to be better. People's lives are going to be enriched because Word of Life Church is here here in this area. 5225 Backlick Road is going to be a source of blessing to the DMV, to the world around us, because God has not called us to be apathetic. God has not called us to sit down. God has not called us to have a holy club that we all feel better about each other and criticize everybody else around us. That's not our role. Our role is to be the hands and the feet and the heartbeat and the soul and the spirit of Jesus in the world around us. We're going to make a difference in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and we're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
We're taking missions to Ghana. We're taking missions to Ethiopia. We're going in to Bulgaria. We're going into Peru. We're going into El Salvador. And that's just this year. God is going to open up the door for us to have an impact in the world around us and our community. That's why we're called. Is there anybody excited about making a change? The, listen, no, hang on, time out. Time out for one second. The tight time out. The only way you cannot be excited about wanting to make a change is if you don't care. It's the only way. I'm not asking you to be excited because I'm hyped up right now. I'm a hyped up person. This is just me on cruise control. I'm not even really hyped. You ask my, we, we were staying with some friends this week. They have two three-year-old kids. They have eight children. We stayed in their house. And I said to Anna in the morning, their house is quieter with eight kids on their own than our house is with just me. <laughs> so I'm not asking you to get hyped up because I, I'm asking you to think about the overwhelming need. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And when we all do something, we can do great things. We can do great things. Is there anybody at Word of Life Church today that says, come on, God, use me to do great things. Here I am, use me. The old saying, if not now, when? And if not you, who? Who's going to make a difference? I want to make the difference. That's a benefit to everything we do to make a difference. How do we make a difference? We make it a priority. We live out God's mission. How can we make a difference? We have partnership strategically partnering with other people, participation, not leaving it to other people, and we want to do it through prayer, believing that God is going to make a change and use us to make a change. Can you stand with me right now?